Welcome back to The Zero Podcast, where we talk about lifting, coaching, and more. You can learn more about Zero by going to www.zero.com.au. That's Zero with a W. We are also proudly sponsored by Establishment Coffee. Head to establishmentcoffee.com.au. Use the code 025 for 25% off and free shipping. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. That's what all the cool kids say. And if you're on Spotify, hit that five-star review. We love it. Enjoy the show now. Welcome back to the Zero Weakness podcast. Today, we have special guest Lily Riley in lieu of her international trip over to, is it called Animal Cage? Yep. Yep. And she is going to be doing an incredible feat of strength. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But why don't we start with what we've been up to, Lily? What you been doing this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, as you said, I've been getting ready for the animal cage. So coming into the final heavy weeks now, um, we just mm. did our last heavy squats leading into next weekend. Uh, so we finished with a 260 triple. Um, but yeah, and then after animal cage, I've got um, another international meet. So I've got ghost clash. So yeah, so life's just all about prep at the moment. You'll you'll go over next week and then come home and then fly out again. Yeah, so I'm home for three weeks so I've just got to finish the prep mm. and then head back over nice yeah I considered trying to stay over there but it just kind of impossible it's just like a little bit too long right like yeah. if it was like yeah. one and a half two weeks you could have yeah animal yeah. cages Ohio yeah. yeah and then uh ghost clash Miami, Miami. Yeah. yeah it's also just the exchange rate is so bad it would mm. cost you a fortune to stay there for three weeks yeah it's mm-hmm. terrible but I was just I was thinking just more so of getting someone to wrap your knees and yeah yeah true stuff. of course yeah. yes. of course always the athlete yeah. <laughs> Thinking the macros. <laughs> yeah. I'll get that close to your so, face. So nothing heavy until next weekend, basically. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've got a. What are we doing? Dead, deadlifts. You got to do deadlifts. Yeah, I still do my deadlifts. Um, no, just hev- no more heavy squats. Yeah, no, no more, more heavy squats. squats. So I still do my um heavy deadlifts this weekend, just because I'm still in prep for Ghost Clash. Um, and then we've got a heavy bench next week. So still just thinking of my next prep mm. more than anything. What kind of effect effect does that have on a person's body if they just like suddenly throw an AMRAP in the middle of their, you know, their like very intense prep? That's not an AMRAP. It's not? No, I'm doing a heavy squat, max squat. Oh, that's, that's okay. Yeah, no, that's not that that's it. Like, oh, that's, that's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I thought yeah, you were AMRAPing a number for some reason. We, we had the option okay. of doing an AMRAP or a max squat. Ah, yeah. okay. That's yeah. a bit more sensible. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> like, why, why would you go all the way to America to max out? Just do it here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing if it's an animal cage, just with the steel plates, uh, like the, you know, the iron cast iron plates and. I'm not sure. I don't yeah, know. It will be like know. that. Because yeah. eh? that's the, that's the whole theme of it. Yeah. Sick. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. When I went there for, for Reese back in the day, I think they were using just the old cast iron plates for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's cool. It's a bit more badass. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Nice. What about you, Meg? What you been up to? Chipping away at work, uh, keeping myself busy. What else have I been doing? Enjoying training. Um, just a lot of work. Yeah. Lots of Meg's eggs. Mm. Lots, of, lots of Meg's eggs. That looks so good. I love eggs so much. <laughs> That's all I have to say on that. <laughs> Actually, I'm dieting, so I'm having a little bit less Meg's eggs, but that's okay. Yeah, you're on the one egg train. It's quite one pa- egg train. One yeah. egg. Quite pathetic. Yeah. That's <laughs> fucked. I'll make like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a very full on McMuffin. Not McMuffin, sorry. Like an egg McMuffin. Egg muffin. <laughs> a Meg muffin. A Meg muffin. A Meg McMuffin. <laughs> and just like bulk it up with stuff because at the moment I can't afford to have the two eggs and the sourdough and stuff, but it's okay. Aren't your fats really high? Yeah, they're at 80, but I'm struggling. 
Yeah. That's like extremely low for me. She's normally like 130. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's okay. Just until the end of March and then we're going to go to America and that's it. No more dining for the rest of the year. So I can do that. It's like nice. one month. It's fine. Yep. Mm. Uh What have I been up to? Uh, not a lot. I am. I've actually been dieting too. Like a comp. Mm, for about uh, maybe three weeks. So I was like 89-ish kilos and now I'm 85. I've got to be 85.5 next Sunday. Under 85.5? Yeah. So I, I just want to struggle this week, make this week hell, so I can enjoy next week. And Yeah. 85.5? What comp? Uh, Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that's all I've been doing. Me and Bridget are going on a rodeo this uh, this Saturday. Rodeo? Yeah. What do you mean going on a rodeo? No, no. Going to a rodeo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What? Well, did I say it right? Is that how white people say it? What do yeah. they do? Are you going to yell out, sweep, sweep the leg? Yeah. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> Giddy up. Yeah, so I can't wait for that as well. Where is it? I uh, don't know. Binley. Bridge just like got us tickets. I just said yeehaw. Nice. Is that where they ride the bulls and the horses and stuff? Oh my gosh. Is that I... like a really dumb question? <laughs> Lily's a country girl. She's familiar with the rodeo. Are you a country girl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So rodeo is, it's just a- that, That's basically it. Maybe. I believe yeah. it's pronounced rodeo. Rodeo. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. Uh, so I've been watching a little bit of the PBR. Do you know what the PBR is? No. It's no. fucking huge in America. It's like one of the biggest, it's professional bull riding. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's insane. Those guys are the most unbelievable athletes. And Wild. That's the- f- that might be the scariest sport on earth. I mean, they only have the last eight <laughs> seconds. Can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever ridden a bull, Lily? No. Would no. you ever ride a bull? Yeah. Definitely. I think you, 100%. you do so well at it. <laughs> we'll get into it Wait, a minute. It's one hand. Oh, it's one hand. It's one hand. Mm. You got to strap in. Yeah. Rope oh up, God. strap in. I think that sport where the, it's like a partner sport where they go down that little ice slide looks Bob scary. Slid. Yeah. Well, wait, no. <laughs> when it's two people, it's called something different. You mean luge? Luge? I'm pretty sure it's just a two-person sled. Nah, there's CJ. It's all bobsled. Oh, it's all bobsled? <laughs> Why do you always go to CJ for anything sport-related? Because that's my boy. He'll back me up. <laughs> even if I'm li- Even if I'm lying, he'll... I just got to give him the Filipino... It's the Filipino, uh, you know, life for me, brother. <laughs> it's a wavelength we can't, yeah. we can't read. Mm. <laughs> um, Tom, bro, what have you been up to? Uh, I went up to Mackay on the weekend. They had their competition up there. I uh, got to watch Khan... He killed it. <laughs> He's the bomb. <laughs> can't can't bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't have, can't have an unfortunate time. Uh, it's great, though. It's going to provide me material for years. Khan loves de- dealing the roasts, and now he's got something that we can always just, just clap back with. So it's going to be good. He's a good sport about it. He's the man. But young Lockie. So we've got a kid, Lachlan Horseman, up there. He benched like 180 when he was 14 or 15. He's a very strong kid. But he was competing there too. And because he's been coached by Khan, he's got a mouth on him. And after Khan missed his first two lifts, he's gone up for his third. Lucky's like, I really hope he gets it. But if he doesn't, it means I beat him, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Now, Khan just fell over twice on his opener and second. And then on his third, he squatted high. Oh, unlucky. So, unfortunate. What do you think? Uh, do you think it's worse bombing out at home, like home grand advantage? Or do you think it's better? Better, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You reckon it's absolutely. better? Yeah. So what do you guys reckon? You imagine Lily going to Valhalla and bombing out there versus having to go all the way to America and then bombing out. I look at it yeah. through the lens of, you know, this is my home ground. I'm the home. I'm the hometown hero. I've invited all my friends and family to come watch me because it's easily accessible. And they don't really know what's going on. And then I bomb and I'm like, oh, well, that's a, 
shit. Yeah, but, but it's also the people that you're comfortable around. Very true. Yeah. Very well, true. For me, I don't have any friends or family. So <laughs> and if, if you want to roast, if I bomb and you want to roast me here, go be my guest. Say it. See what happens. Go on. See what happens to your membership. <laughs> my membership? I don't have a membership. Yeah, see what happens to your, your employment. <laughs> no, nah, de- definitely better at home. Yeah. 100%. Oh, I'd pick neither, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, obviously neither is going to be the better option. <laughs> well, Tom, bro, you haven't bombed out at home. Oh. Have, have I? Bench. Wait, did Your you bench? bomb? No. Yeah, all my bombs have been at home, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Twice at PTC Brisbane. But you bom- did you tear your pick on the first one? Uh, I didn't bomb that comp. I pulled out of it. I got my squat and I got two benches. Oh, I did you? I third bench, oh. yeah, and then I decided not to deadlift. Oh, so I, I voluntarily bombed. Yeah, fair enough. I mm. evicted myself. You're on track to a thousand that day as well. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wasn't. All right. Anyway, what are we grateful for this week, Lily? What are you grateful for? Oh, I'm not prepared yet. Oh, wiggle this thing. Your mic's. <coughs> I'll say something. Hello. There you go. Yeah, there you go. All right, James, you go first. <laughs> oh, calling shots. Just make something up. All these guys just say either the weather or my health when they can't think of something. <laughs> you, you know what I'm grateful for? I am grateful for... Uh, the health of the weather. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am grateful for... Uh, uh, I'm grateful for not having to do a weight cut next week, a water cut next week. Nice. You don't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, being a little bit more responsible this time. Yes. Mm. Good. Good, good, good. Meg. I am grateful for um, rediscovering my love for creating content. I had a bit of a dry spell last year, but just new opportunities this year has made me kind of fall back in love with it. So I'm liking that a lot and working with some new brands. Exciting stuff. That's what I'm grateful for. Nice. I'm going to say I am grateful for Khan. Uh, despite bombing and being a you know an embarrassment on the zero name, uh, <laughs> no, he does an absolutely amazing job up there in Mackay, and especially it's getting more and more attention now. The junior development program that he created and developed is absolutely gangbusters out there. They sell it out, and it's crazy. And we're slowly developing into a model that we can plug and play in all the zeros. Uh, and he's just so good at what he does with those kids. So grateful for Khan and what he's doing up there in Zero Mackay. Nice. Legend. I'm grateful for, which is super cliche, but the powerlifting community, um, all the people that I've met and the opportunities that I've got, um, such as having the opportunities to go overseas and compete. For sure. Awesome. Mm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. We'll do quotes and then we'll bug Lily and ask a million questions. Ugh. (laughs) I have one. My quote is, if you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you become... What you want becomes the sacrifice. Do you guys get it? Say it again. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want becomes the sacrifice. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Nice. Nice. Why did that speak to you? Oh, I don't know. I liked it. Screenshotted it. That's fine. (laughs) James, what you got? Um, I've got seize to hope, and you will seize to fear. Nice. <laughs> what did you type in Google? Stoic quotes. <laughs> cease to hope. And you will cease to fear. Oh, cease. Like cease and desist. Yes. Yeah, I thought cease. you said cease. Like I did. Because yeah, okay. my English isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Lily, what you got? All right. This one's a Thomas Lilly quote. 
When in doubt. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? I knew it. Remember, when in doubt, max it out. No. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Definitely don't when do that. When the hell did you say that? <laughs> when in doubt, max it out. The other I day, like to Lily. <laughs> <laughs> we we're talking about numbers. If you don't know what to do, just max out. <laughs> I was Solve like, it. I don't know if I take that literally. Or <laughs> <laughs> you know what we've been saying at jiu-jitsu lately? Uh, blackout before you tap out. <laughs> nice. It's a good way to die. That's <laughs> 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 so funny. So good. All right. Mine is don't win arguments, solve problems. Ooh. The mindset that you take when you're trying to win an argument is just trying to look for all flaws and all problems that the other side is presenting and you create a very closed-minded sort of approach. If you're trying to solve the problem, you're going to look at things from all different angles and be willing to accept positive traits that the other side might be presenting. Nice. You said something really good. Actually, I forgot. I was going to use that. You said something really good to me the other day. Don't argue with stupid because they've got more experience. <laughs> Never argue with stupid people because they'll always beat you with experience. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's good. Yeah, we still do though. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lily, this is all about you. We're just going to ask a bunch of questions, get the, get the people to know you a little bit more. Um, I'm really curious to know, how did you get into all of this? Like, How did you start lifting in the first place? Were you playing sports before? And then how did that turn into powerlifting? Yeah, so I've got a, a pretty big athletic background. Um, started in um, netball as I was young and little athletics. Um, so I've done track and field, um, mostly long distance. I was also a short distance runner. Um, and everything that I did, I did at a high level-ish as well. So all my track and field, but also my netball, I did rep. Um, rugby league rep as well swimming cross country um, and then with all of that I got a personal trainer when I was 14 um, just for development with my sport and then that's just kind of where my love for lifting really came from um, started with a personal trainer just doing my own thing following a program and then it kind of just turned into full gym bro stuff from a young age and yeah I kind of just figured out kind of strong for a kid and just kind of built from there nice so yeah. when what were you gonna say i was just gonna ask if your whole family is quite sport oriented not uh like my siblings all were um all growing up um everyone's kind of like died off as you get into adolescence but yeah i was the only one who kind of kept going with it I think if you're uh, if you're in the gym at 14 years old, it shows that your parents are quite invested in your development. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because there's no other way for like a child to be in the gym at that age. Yeah, that exactly. Cool. Well, so mm. when, when I first started, mum had to come into the gym and wait for me. Mm -hmm. And mm. then I think I had to be 15. And for my 15th birthday, mum got me an actual gym membership for me to go, which I used to go before and after school every single day. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Where, whereabouts is this? In Bundaberg. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And then how did that, go from you know being a kid and training to support your sport to finding out about powerlifting yeah um i did i spent a lot of time on youtube just watching how to do things and whatnot and that's when i started doing like squat bench and deadlift um and i used to just train with the boys at school so just copying off everything that they were doing as well and all the boys were maxing out so i was maxing out and um do you remember Carmen Wiseman and Josh, Josh yeah. Wiseman? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they still come here occasionally. Yeah, yeah. cool. So um, they're from Bundy. Um, I the, used to... The Foundry. Yeah, the Foundry. So before the Foundry opened, we trained at City Fit. Yep. 
and um, oh, this was like Billa Hamilton as well. Yeah. And Jarab. Yep. Yep. So they used to train there and I used to kind of just watch everything that they were doing and they'd watch me with this absolutely disgusting back squat. <laughs> and I think just out of their kindness came up and were like, hey, just letting you know, you're probably going to injure yourself if you squat like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm squatting 120 kilos by myself and I so I think, you know, that's super strong but I had no idea about technique. Yeah. Um, how, how old are you at this point? I think I was 17. 17, 17, 18. Um, so they kind of took me under their wing and um, just started coaching me. And then when I was 18, so this be like a year of training with them. And then they opened up their gym, the Foundry, which is our first powerlifting gym in Bundy. So I spent a lot of time just doing everything that they were doing. And then they um, they talked me into doing a powerlifting competition in Brisbane. So we came down and did Pretty and Powerful in 2014. And yeah, that was my first comp. So first comp, I did 130 kilo squat, 62.5 kilo bench press and 120 kilo deadlift. And I think I was like 60 kilos, 62 nice. oh, kilos. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. Josh Wiseman's to. a pretty good guy to take advice from, especially at a young age like that. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a monster. He was really cool. Yeah. Do you remember, so the Foundry got on the news for putting a sign out the front that was like, it was that classic quote of like, Tired of being fat and ugly, just <laughs> just be ugly. Yeah. <laughs> they put it out the front of their gym, and it went viral on like all the news channels and on Facebook and everything. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic Bundaberg. You know, it's voted the the rudest place in Australia. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Oh, at least at the, yeah, you wouldn't fit into the rude culture. Very nice. Sweet. <laughs> um, you're like yeah yes okay. sure <laughs> sorry lily how old are you uh 28 28 yeah so um, officially been powerlifting for 10 years this year then. yeah 10 years this year oh, yeah, wow congratulations yeah, yeah. so i think i've now you get your long service leave <laughs> i think i've like exactly doubled my total in the 10 years as well <laughs> that's Holy awesome yeah. that's pretty cool yeah very very cool before we uh get into any further topics or conversation i just want to ask what's your what's your best lifts um, best squat is 277, best bench is 125, and best dead is 240. Yeah, well, what's that? Is that all in the same comp or are those separate? Yeah, all in the same comp. So I had my best comp um, in October. So I got all three, which were all three PBs in the same comp. Oh, wow. Yeah. The dream comp. Yeah. I've, that was my first comp mm-hmm. in that I've ever had three PBs in the same comp, I think. Yeah, wow. Yeah. After cool. 10 years. That's yeah. awesome. And what, what's, uh, what's the goals for the Ghost Clash? You're coming up to the Ghost Clash at the start of April. What do you yep. want to hit? Or is it top secret? Top secret. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I, I, like I've, got, I've got my numbers, but I don't three, want to say it out loud yet. Three, two, three. Three, two, three. Yeah. 300, 200, 300. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's easy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> 900. Nice, nice, is nice. Is it a one-day event? Uh, it, it's two days. But they've got a pro day and then amateur day. Okay, cool. Who does who runs the Ghost Clash now? Is it still hybrid? No, uh, Ghost. Ghost. Ghost oh, Ghost themselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's get back on track. So you were you were doing like track and field and all of that stuff. You found powerlifting when you were about eighteen. When you were eighteen, then were you still playing other sports, or were you like, no, nah, this is for me now? Yeah, I was still playing rugby league um, at the time. Um, I end up getting a back injury. Um, which which I stopped playing, and then I end up just doing powerlifting full time. The injury was from league. Yeah, from football. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so started powerlifting full time, and then 
when did you sort of move to Brisbane and uh, get into coaching as well? Yeah, so I so I did my competition in 2014 and um, so my partner and I, we've been together since 2013 and he, he had been like applying for a job. This will wrap up together. Um, he'd been trying for applying for electrical apprenticeships in Bundy, which it's pretty much impossible to get a job. So we decided to try and get a job down in Brisbane. So he got a job in October 2013. Um, so we had to do long distance for a little bit. And when I was in Bundaberg, I was working as a bar manager. So I was 18 years old running a nightclub in Bundy. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I had it pretty good there. But um, I knew that I wanted to do um, personal training eventually. So he moved and we're doing long distance for like six months. And then um, I moved down and started doing st- – uh, started studying my Cert 3 and 4. And, yeah, and then it just kind of took off from there. So been doing it since 2015. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And what's what's your goals with your personal training and, and coaching side of things? As in the kind of people that you're coaching, are they moving towards powerlifting? Is it just general strength training? Is it gen pop or is it a bit of everything? Yeah. Um, at the moment, pretty much 90% of my clientele are all powerlifters now. Um, I – I do take on gen pop, but I'll most likely convince everyone to get into powerlifting <laughs> eventually anyway. So, yeah. It's interesting how like as you, as you continue to develop as an athlete, the kind of the, the kind of people that will now come and follow you and then approach you for coaching, it, it kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. You know, yeah you're going weed to weed out the people that you don't really want to work with and attract the kind of people that you want to work with anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really absolutely. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you say are some of your highlights along the way in powerlifting? Like wh- what are some standout comps for you that are super memorable? Yeah. Um, obviously my first ever 200 kilo squat. Um, I think that kind of opened up the doors for many other things because, you know, when you like are so fixated on a goal for yeah. so long – but then you don't think past that. Yeah. 200 kilos was that one for ages. So when I got to 200 kilos, I was like, okay, well, what now? Like I've achieved that. Like, can you go past 200? <laughs> so then it, then it became like 250. 250 I did in the gym. And then same thing again. I'm like, okay, well, what's past 250? And now I'm talking about squatting 300 kilos, which is bloody crazy. Mm. But um, yeah, so definitely my 200 kilo squat. Um, squatting 600 pounds for the first time. Um, but ideally I think my last competition was the best competition I've ever had. I think just actually, cause like we think of powerlifting as a three lift sport. I keep getting fixated on certain numbers with one lift. Last comp was the competition that I could execute all three perfectly, which mm. was really cool. So last comp was definitely my, my favorite and most memorable. Mm. Which one was it? The one in Bathurst. The one? one strength comp. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, you go. Sorry, I was just going to say. I think it's like you said. You know, you had your, you're fixated on that 200 kilo score, which is really cool, and it's yeah. a bit of a trip out to think now that you're closer to 300 than you are <laughs> 200. You're closer to 300 than you are 250, kind of thing. Same yeah. thing with you, Tom, bro. You're closer to 400 than you are. Well, you've done 400, uh, but quip doesn't count. No, <laughs> but you know what I mean. You're closer <laughs> to 400 than you are 300. And at one time in your life, you know, it was your ultimate dream to score 300 and 200 kilos, etc. For sure. Mm. That's it. It's interesting what you say there about like the, being so fixated on one lift or one goal. It's a real like um, I see it a lot with lifters that sort of open the door between, I guess, uh, like advanced and elite. 
if you're like novice, intermediate, advanced, elite, the top, the cream of the crop, you start to you, you'll always be fixated on numbers because that's just how we are as lifters. Like yeah. we we can't help. I I guarantee, like I I've never spoken to you about this, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I guarantee a 300 squat is on your mind basically every day, every minute of the day. Like it's yeah. it's always there. I'm not. I consider myself a washed up powerlifter, and every day I'm thinking of numbers that I want to hit. I'm, th- I'm visualizing it. You can't help but to do it. It's just there. Yeah. But one big part of like maturing between advanced and elite is letting go in competition and focusing on competition and just like remembering that competition is often the total or the dots or whatever it is. And you start to disconnect a little bit. You might get a little bit upset of like, I wanted to hit a 300 squat and I only ended up with 295 or something like that. But the ultimate goal becomes winning that competition. And you get really fixated on being the best at the sport rather than just hitting numbers that you really want to hit. And it's it, it's actually quite a difficult transition transition to make for a lot of lifters because it means leaving a lot of emotion attached to numbers behind. And in the past, that's been the biggest payoff when you're lifting. Like you hit that number and like you said, it's like I did something that I always wanted to do and now I've done it. And all of a sudden these this floodgates open uh, of what possibilities there are to come. There's such a, a mad emotional payoff with that. And now it's about just winning. And the people that stay the longest are the people that are okay with that. Because mm. some people aren't okay with that. Yeah. I think I think for someone like Lily as well, there's a little bit more on the line. Like, uh, you know, for a lot of powerlifters, they go to competitions and their goal isn't to win. It's to, you know, they just want to be the best that they can and they want to PB their lifts. Put together the biggest total they can. Where for Lily, you know, she's competing at comps where there's prize money involved. So like you said, Tom, bro, it's not about you know, hitting PBs every comp. It's about winning, doing what you need to do to secure the biggest total to win that competition. Yeah. Because you so competed three times last year? <laughs> Four times? Five three, times? 300 Seven, times. Seven? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. You need to hang out with Fonz and uh, Angus Roxburgh. <laughs> Fonz competed 12 times last year. I'll just quickly <laughs> say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow, seven. And they're all cash comps? Were they all? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Did you win all of them? No. Um... No, like Ghost Clash or the big ones like that, I didn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I podiumed most of them, though. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel external pressure? Like, as uh, on the way up, you would have only felt internal pressure. You have to hit this number and you put it all back on yourself. Now that you're getting a lot more eyes on you uh, and your, you know, your focus has extended beyond be the best I can be or be the best at this competition to like all time world records and who in the world do I need to go and compete against? Do you now feel external sources of pressure, especially now that you've got sponsors and lots more people watching you um, or is it still all internalized and it's all about you? I, I, th- I feel like it's still very internalized um, just cause I've been doing it for so long and it's, I don't know. I definitely like, I have this conversation with a lot of people, um, but no, I think it's pretty internal still. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But like when I do certain lifts, I'm thinking about um, like I am comparing myself to other lifters. I still do that. So I do the external pressure is just other lifters, I think. Uh Yeah. Mm, Okay. And for for you, what's the most important lift? Squat. And so what, what is, what's the all time female squat? Is it 300.5 that happened at Sheffield recently? Mm Mm-hmm. Is that the biggest no, ever female? No. Um, April Mathers. She's done 320. 320. Yeah. The the Sheffield one, that was the all-time biggest in sleeves, sleeves. and tested. 
Yeah. Is there anything between those two? Like, is there anyone else that's gone over 300? Yeah. So I think there's like five women who've squatted uh, 300. So Hunter Henderson, she's in my weight class. So she's squatted 305. Okay. Yeah. CC Coleman, has she gone over 300? Mm, no. 280 ish? Yeah, she's done 280. Okay. So. Sure. Sure, Osborne? She's one of them? No. Did she do no, she did 290. So she's got the all time Australian record. Oh, you know she's competing here? Oh, she's doing states. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I was just telling Lily before I saw her in the crowd at, at one of our recent comms. Mm. Yeah, I go. saw her name. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully she can squat something big. Yeah, in. cool. So we, we chat all the time. So she's like so encouraging of me taking her record. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, like she'll check in w- with me all the time, which is really cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, she's like waiting. Uh, like it's most likely going to be Sarah who's going to take it. But yeah, it's really cool that she just checks in to make sure that we're on track to doing it. You, Sorry, sorry, Tom, bro. You go. Oh, I was just going to say, you, you mentioned before that like, you know, 300 is the number that's on your mind all day, every day. What's more important to you, taking the all-time Australian record or 300? 300. Nice. Yes, yeah, definitely. Like 300. It. You said before that uh, Hunter Henderson, she's in your weight class. Yeah. So like I've seen you fluctuate between like 75s and 82s. Yeah. So you, you're in the 82s now for good? Yeah, 82s yep. for good now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've spent so much time bulking. Mm-hmm. So I'm at 85 now. Um, the last 12 weeks I've put on like six kilos. Um, which I struggle with weight gain, so this has been a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, so is Hunter Henderson still under 82? Yeah, she, she'll do a big cut though. Is she short? Yes. Oh, okay, because yeah. she's humongous. Yeah, eh? she's, she's jacked. Yeah. yeah. When you say struggle, do you mean as in just consuming that much food? Do you mean the change in like your body? I, yeah, I just have to eat a lot of food. Mm. Yeah. How much so is a lot calorie-wise? We, we got up to 4,300 um, calories, but <laughs> I try and do it all <laughs> – as whole food. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. <gasps> as in no so shakes. Hard. No shakes. No. Oh, just straight food. All food. Talk us through a day of eating. <laughs> you posted it the other day. They must be big meals. So everyone's like, that doesn't look like that much. And I'm like, they're huge meals. Yeah. So like. Because you posted like four meals or something. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, that was 4,100 in that photo. Yeah. Then I'll have um, like steminate and stuff on top. Yeah. Okay. Um, give us a breakdown. I love hearing about, I love, I don't know about you guys, but I love watching like day in the life eating wise. I yeah, love, I like it. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, so I'll have 125 grams of oats with protein with, and berries. Second meal is 200 grams of raw weight pasta and maybe like mince or I make oh. it as a spag bowl. Yeah, these are big meals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 200 grams of raw weight rice with like a curry. Mm-hmm. And then another 200 grams of raw weight rice with... I like to make it in like a fried rice. Mm. Um, I'll have uh, for snacks in there. I've got like a LCM, a protein bar, piece of fruit, and then at night time I have like a piece of chocolate or whatever, like two hundred cal- calories dessert or something. It's like six hundred grams of carbs. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's hectic. <laughs> yeah. Like those two two hundred grams of raw weight rice is no joke. Mm. I know. You see the yeah. tubs of food I eat. Yeah. That, that's one hundred grams. So yeah, double that amount of rice. Oh I think, goodness. like, I'm a really big eater, and I think the highest when I was tracking my food, the highest carbs I got up to was like 450, and that was actually like a struggle for me. And I eat a lot. How, yeah. So, how often, you know, since you've been bulking, how often are you sort of looking at your food like I have to do this rather than like oh, it's time to eat? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, it, it's definitely got easier. Um, like when I first started this. It was a struggle. And especially if I sleep in, yeah. then it pushes yeah. it back. So, or like I'll have to stay up like late at night, like 9, oh, 9 p.m., like trying to shovel down like food mm. and then I have to do my bedtime routine. 
Yeah, wow. I see. I'm so sensitive to how my stomach feels when it comes to training. So I eat like three or four hours before I train, and if I eat in that window, I, like a proper meal, I tend to feel yuck when I train. But when yeah. you're eating like that, you just feel full all the time. Has yeah. you, have you found that it's affected your training, or like you know, you'll have to change the size of your belt. Maybe the belt's a bit too tight. Has it has it impacted your training negatively, or has all the extra food just made you feel like superhuman? Yeah, last option. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel really good. Oh, that go out. It's just that cords a bit dicky. Yeah, so you're feeling good. Yeah, I feel really, really good. Yeah, because we were talking about it just before. One of the things you're uh, not stressing about, but is on your mind, is like, how are you going to get all that food in when you've got thirty, thirty-five hours of travel coming <laughs> yeah. up? Mm. Uh, so what's what's your game plan with with plain eating? Yeah, so this is something that's been keeping me up at night. Is just <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do on the plane? <laughs> so um, as I was talking to Thomas before. Anytime, like, I'll sit down or if I relax, I go to sleep. So I can sleep the whole entire flight. Um, so last year when I did Ghost Clash, I slept pretty much the whole entire flight and I didn't really eat much food. So Brendan would, like, wake me up and be like, oh, you should eat now. So I'd eat a food and then just fall straight back to sleep. Um, but also on the flight, you can't take, like, cold packs or anything to keep your food fresh. So mm-hmm. I packed all my food. But – um all the condensation just made all the food disgusting. Like I will eat my food no matter what, but that was just, it was just, it was done. It was <laughs> caca. And um, yeah, so I've just been stressing about like what I'm going to eat on this flight. So Aiden and I sat on uh, my dietitian, we sat down and made a plan on Monday. Um, I'm going to have to wake up at 3am um, Monday morning just so I can start eating food. So I'm going to do like three out, uh, three meals before I get on the flight. And then I'm just going to p- pack six like chicken wraps because I don't think they will go gross. And then I'm just going to pack like heaps of snacks. Mm. You know, when I think, when I think to myself, I'm like, am I doing enough to be good? It's like, nah, this is what you actually need to do. uh, (laughs) That's crazy. I just thought of something while you said that. Is this a reasonable strategy, Tom, bro? If she's traveling for 35 hours, uh, could she, instead of, uh, you know, so she doesn't have to stress too much, leading up to that time for like six days, could she just bump her calories up to 5,000 a day? Doesn't quite work. Doesn't quite work like that. Mm. So, um, like the issue I had last time as well is, uh, like the time difference. Mm -hmm. Like I kept getting confused. Like what time is it? Because usually I'd eat at certain times, but I had when the time just kept changing. I was like, I don't know what time it is, and I don't know when to eat. So I'm just gonna set a timer, and I'll just. Who cares what the time is? I'll just eat every three hours. Yeah, Mm. yeah. It's it's funny as well. Like because your your place gets so messed up your hunger regulates with your circadian rhythms to some degree as well. So I always find like I'm starving at the weirdest times and then feel full at the weirdest times and not not feeling like I should be eating in that like two or three day window of of traveling. You just, you have to do exactly what you said, either just commit to the eating or commit to a time zone. Just be like, okay, I'm there now. So I'm going to switch my eating routine and stick to that. Yeah, yeah. But that's hard when you've got sleep in the mix as well. Yeah. It's just one of the challenges of this international travel. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find last year when you did it that um, the change in time zone affected your performance on the day? Oh, I don't know. Because it could have – I don't know. I think there was multiple factors. But I got there on a Monday. So I had time – like I finally got rid of the jet lag by the Mm -hmm. time the weekend came. Mm, Like a whole week. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I'm just going to do the same thing this week – this this time around as well. Yep. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
All right, I'm going to change subjects a little bit because I've been thinking, I've been wondering this, and I've never actually spoken to it to you about it, uh, which is your your journey through uh, having cancer and, and recovering from that. Uh, my first question is just about, like, has things changed in terms of how you feel performance wise before and after? Like, obviously, you've done your best since, but what in the day to day or the overall training experience is now different from pre sickness to post sickness? I don't know if it's like because I went through cancer. I think it's more so just the development as an athlete more than anything because, I don't know, with time, I don't know, things change. So I don't – I wouldn't say it's changed because of cancer. It's just me maturing as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, But nothing's really changed too much. As I said, it's just maturity as a lifter. Do you Mm -hmm. think having – because obviously you come from a very athletic background – yeah. And you don't get to a to a position in any sport or any pursuit, any hobby, anything with that you're in without a very like I call it the athletic mindset, which is like sole focus on the end goal and the process. Just then uh, became becomes it day in day out. That's all you do. Do you think this idea of like in athletic pursuits, it's all about overcoming what you thought was impossible, just like what we were talking before? Did that help? While you were going through the sickness, yeah, hundred percent. And I've um I've actually answered this a couple times on other podcasts. Yeah. Um, but I truly believe my athletic mentality is what got me through everything. I just took it on as another challenge, and yeah. So the same thing in sport. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Can we um can we because uh, I briefly remember it. Do you mind talking about this? Or yeah, is it, no, yeah, absolutely. Because was it 2019? Uh, 2020 2020 yeah. during covid wasn't it? right in the midst of it and you're about to compete yeah and it was that yeah. day of competition yeah so i did the weigh-in for the competition and mm. i went straight to hospital basically yeah well so talk us through how that all unfolded yeah so yeah in 2020 um i was prepping for pro raw 10 or 11 yeah and oh, um tw- 12 12 yeah yeah because so 12 cancelled and then we did 12 again a year yeah. or two later yeah, yeah. So yeah, Pro Raw 12 in 2020, um, prepping for that. And then unfortunately, Arnold's got cancelled uh, due to COVID. So Matt Gall from Valhalla, he decided to put on like a little local meet just for all the athletes to kind of finish their prep. And um, yeah, so I went in, did that. So with, with this competition, it's in the midst of COVID. So we weren't allowed to have like any spectators or anything like that. It was super, super small just for the athletes to finish what they've started. And um I was really keen to do that. I cut down to the under 75 kilo class. Um, I did a little bit of a water cut. Um, I think I dropped maybe like three or four kilos. Super dehydrated. Um, I That night, like the night before weigh-in, I had the worst sleep. Like I was tossing and turning, um, couldn't sleep. I kept waking up and putting my heat pack in the microwave. So this is the, the night before weigh-in. But I didn't stop and think one one time what what like why is this happening i just getting a heat pack and putting on my belly um and that morning woke up and i had to get tyron to drive me to uh weigh in and i just progressively got worse and worse like i just got really really sick the pain in my stomach just got really really bad on the way home from weigh in we had to like pull over on the side of the road and i was like spewing outside the car door and um we got home and I couldn't do my refeed. Like I couldn't drink any water, couldn't drink any fluids, I couldn't eat any food. Um, 
I fell asleep on the couch for like three hours and Tyron kept waking me up and was like, you got to, you got to um, hydrate. You've got to do your refeed and, you know, get your shit together. And um, I ended up calling my mum. My mum's a nurse and um, just going over like the signs and symptoms and everything that was going on. And she's like, Lil, you should probably go to the hospital. And um, I was like, oh, I might go to the hospital like after I compete tomorrow. I'm like, deal with it then. <laughs> I've still got the competition in my mind. Um, yeah, so we end up going up to the hospital at like 3 p.m. And they end up diagnose me, diagnosing me with a UTI. So they hooked me up to um, um, a drip and um, gave me antibiotics to treat a UTI. So I was up there like for a few hours. Um, gave me some endone so the pain, the pain felt good. I felt fine. They sent me home. Um, I went straight to sleep and then at four o'clock in the morning I woke up and I was in the worst pain. Like every time I talk about this, I still feel the pain. Like it was so bad. Um, I grabbed my stomach and I couldn't even move. I couldn't stand. And I was like just screaming in agony. And um, Tyron's like, oh, we'll take you back up to the hospital. And um, we had to get like a wheelchair to come out and get me from the car as well because I was in so much pain. And then they wheeled me in straight away and – did did a few more tests and stuff. So, um, I'm I. This is the morning of competition now, mm. and I'm still thinking, can you hurry up and <laughs> deal with this so I can go to competition? I've got competition in like five hours, <laughs> and um, yeah. So we did like a few tests and everything. The whole entire time, I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna be so tired at comp. Like I didn't get much sleep or anything like that, and um, did a few tests. Um, and it came back saying I had like a, a growth. Oh, no, no. Before this, they gave me like a little jar to go do a urine sample. So at, at this time, I didn't think like anything was serious at all. But they gave me a little jar to go pee in it. Went and did that. And I did it so casually. And when I go, went to go pick it up, it was just full of blood. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and that was like when I realized, oh, okay, maybe I'm not okay. <laughs> so – um. Tyron's out the front door and I was like, Tyron, get in here, check this out. And we're both like, holy shit, like, yeah, maybe something's not okay. Um, so yeah, when the doctor saw that and um, seeing her face, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I don't think I'm okay now. And um, yeah, we did a few more tests and whatnot and came back saying I had a, um, a growth inside my kidney. So at this stage, we had no idea what it was, but um, – my mum's a nurse, so mum had a look at the MRI. And so my kidney was like a sausage. Wait, is that that? Yeah, it's just that cord. Yeah. My kidney was like this shape. So your kidney's like that. Yeah, yeah. It was like this. It was all stretched out. Mm. And then there was a 12-centimetre tumour, like, growing on the inside of it. And 12 centimetres? That's huge. That's massive. Because <laughs> um, your kidney's not even the size of your fist. It's yeah, tiny. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so mum saw the MRI. Mum just came in bawling her eyes out. And mum was the one who came in and tried telling me. And I was like, oh, sick. So what do we do? Like, I like I have no idea what a tumour is. I didn't even relate a tumour to cancer at mm. this stage. And it's one of those things, cancer happens to other people. Like, that doesn't happen to you. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And then they just started talking about like, um, uh, like, what was next and yeah yeah that's that's unreal so did they they obviously got onto it really early yeah so this is the crazy thing so with 
with the cancer that I had, it should have spread after it made it to seven centimetres. Mm-hmm. So mine made it to 12 centimetres and didn't spread, wow. which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And so how long after that point, you know, they identified this growth, how long after it were you in surgery getting it cut out? I think it was like a week later. So uh, in, in total, I was in hospital for like a month. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, I think I was booked in maybe a couple of days later. And yeah, went straight in. They removed the kidney and the tumour and um, adrenal glands. They just put it down to luck that it hadn't spread? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So like I always say me doing that weight cut and being super dehydrated actually saved my life. Because imagine if I wasn't super dehydrated and feeling like that, I probably would have never went to hospital. Mm. Because then I started reflecting. I had so many signs and symptoms that I just kept ignoring because – as an athlete, being so deep in prep, you have all these niggly things, especially as like back pain, but you ignore it because that happens during prep. Um, and like I would see Stenzel for massage and I'd see him every single week. And I'd go in every week saying, hey, I've got back pain. Can you get into that? So he'd, um, he'd even get into my hip flexors and it'd feel shit. But I had no idea he's trying to <laughs> trigger release a tumour. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really needle it away. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> we, la- we laugh about it now, but yeah. Yeah, crazy. This is a bit off topic, but I've, I've, I remember hearing this story and you talking about, I don't know where it was, but I remember you talking about how you thought it was like prep pain. Like, oh, I'm just like aching because I'm about to compete or something. Yeah. Um, how bad do you think is reasonable for a person to feel, you know, leading up to a comm? And also, like, nowadays, do you think that you feel just as battered? You just know now it's not cancer-related, but you're just battered? Like, is it different? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. When I first um, went through this, every single little pain that I got, I just assumed that I had cancer. Mm. Um, So now I think I'm a little bit more self-aware with my body Mm. um, so, so I can pinpoint like when it's just fatigue or if I'm just run down or whatever like that though but yeah yeah yeah. get your shit checked (laughs) I'm a I'm a I'm with you on that I'm a I'm very uh pragmatic yeah (laughs) James is at the hospital most days (laughs) (laughs) yeah mate you've got a headache here's some Panadol get out of here drink some water (laughs) were were they because obviously you were struggling to rehydrate uh, because you're feeling so shit were they like why are you so dehydrated or were they just like you've got cancer therefore you're dehydrated did you tell them that you had done this water cut uh no i didn't i don't think i think i was just too embarrassed i don't know yeah yeah well like but, you said it saved your life so yeah <laughs> yeah um I don't, I don't think i went into too much detail with them with what happened but yeah yeah sure sure uh and then you know so you you get the surgery and everything uh, what's been the process like? Obviously, you have to go back in and get checked every now and then. Do you still have to do that once a year? Is it like for five years or? Yeah, so um, I get checks every six months. So for the first three years, it was every three months, only just because it was a really rare um, cancer and they had no idea like what, like how it happened. But also like with my cancer, it's mostly seen in older men over 50 and a young female at 24 is kind of bizarre. Mm. So, mm. yeah, we, our checkups were every three months for the first couple of years. Then they've moved to six months. Um, so I've got my next checkup in April. 
and then it'll go to yearly. What's the go? So the first doctor who uh, diagnosed it as a UTI. Um, what's the go with that? Is that like a is that a like a negligent thing or how do they how do they just dismiss it as a UTI straight off the bat? Yeah, I don't know, but I I really just want I hope that that doctor knows. Yeah, like, for I don't sure. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like, always wonder that because mm, yeah. that's like a you know it's someone's life on the line and you've just I I don't want to say dismissed it because it's obviously they're doing the best that they can in that moment and you know they're there to save your life yeah but i don't know i just find that so odd and uh yeah it's kind of scary yeah Mm. that's someone that you know someone like a doctor a police officer a paramedic fire firefighter they're people that you really are their opinion ultimately in that field is all that matters kind of thing you really look up to them and rely on them for help so i don't know i find that pretty fucking scary i guess you see it a lot though Mm. you do I mean, yeah. people just presenting with a list of symptoms. Mm. So their brain just goes to like, what are these symptoms pointing at? And the first thing, it's it's not like WebMD where you type in your symptoms and every symptom you have is cancer of some sort. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is me. Like a few weeks ago, my gums kept bleeding for no reason. I'm like, I got mouth cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Everything on the internet is saying I've got it. <laughs> Turns out I just had something stuck in my teeth. <laughs> but yeah, like... A, <laughs> I hear what you're saying 100%, but at the same time, they're just going with what they've got. And mm-hmm. I, it sucks to say this, but I, I guess they just feel the pressure of like, there's a lineup of people mm. and they're just trying to churn them through it. You're a number in the system. So I guess coming back the next day, being in such agonizing pain that you can't even get out of the car by yourself. Yeah. Prompted them to do more thorough checks. Yeah. And the blood and the piss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like that's a pretty uh, good sign that something, uh, isn't right. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So, so, oh, you go. No, no, no. I was going. Oh, so you got out of hospital uh, about a month because I just remember seeing photos of you. It must have been like a. You must have been out of hospital. It must have been at home, and it was you. You were very small. Yeah. So that was pretty much the week when you got out of hospital. Yeah. Yep. And then, so that week, did you just start training again? Because I felt like I saw you training pretty. Yeah, it was soon like it was like two it. weeks later. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was instructed not to, but mm. I think I was just going crazy, just being locked inside in the middle of COVID. We weren't allowed to have like visitors or anything like that. So it was just one thing that I could do. Wow. So, so your hospital experience would have been really- It was, yeah. Horrible. Yeah. It was tough. It was very tough. Fuck. Yeah. No, I couldn't, going through cancer with no one, yeah. no visitors. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, uh, like when, when it was first on, uh, like when it- COVID first happened, I guess. Um, it, it was it was okay because I could have like all my family there. And then just like with the unknown with what's happening with the COVID stuff, then they started like bringing in more lockdowns and everything. Um, I was only allowed to have one person in my room um, in a certain amount of time. So then mum and Tyron would like just keep taking turns. But then I could also couldn't have like any of my siblings or anything like that in there as well. Mm. Yeah, so was, was it like a... Was it a whole different kind of um, like procedure? Because obviously everything was so different during COVID. Were they way more cautious with you as well? Uh, I don't know. Not Maybe. too sure? Yeah, not yeah. too sure. <laughs> don't know. got nothing to compare <laughs> yeah. it to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How long did it take after the surgery and coming out to feel yourself again? Like from a lifting perspective, I mean. Uh, eight, like months. Oh. I... So I tried to do a competition like six months later. <laughs> um, not ideal. Um, 
so I attempted doing that and I was having trouble trouble with my kidney function. Like it just kept dropping really low. So, and when my kidney function like drops really low, I get like really like lethargic and low energy. Like just, I feel like shit. Mm. And um, tried doing the comp prep and then I got my blood test done. I went in to go speak with my doctor and he looked at the blood test results and he's like, you need to go to emergency right now. So, um, yeah, so I think I just, that was like a wake up call. Oh, by the way, I was fine. Um, it was just a wake up call that um, I needed to like slow down and mm. just kind of, uh, I don't know, process that my life is a little bit different now. Um, yeah. Does it change your day to day in terms of nutrition? So originally it did, but I think the people that I was getting information from weren't very educated. So I've gone through so many different things. So at first um, I was told to have a low protein diet. So I was doing that right from the beginning. And then I went and spoke to a renal dietitian and he put me on a diet, like a high protein diet, but then he just changed things around and said that like I wasn't allowed to eat like red meats or anything just because of the type of protein it was. Um, So then I did that for a while and then with my now dietitian, started working with him and he's like, that just sounds so stupid. Of course you can eat red meat. So now I just eat like a normal person. I can eat high protein, doesn't really have too much of an effect. When I do get my blood test results and if I do have a big drop in um, my kidney function, then I will have a low protein, uh, a little bit more of a low protein diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, because I'm not too familiar with like, uh, how the kidneys work. I've just looked up famous athletes, uh, professional <laughs> athletes with one kidney. And there's only one person that's come up. And it says... Uh, Lily Riley. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an it's a Indian... Uh, I think she's track and field. Andrew Bobby George. And um, she's got one kidney. And I was just thinking, like, what ultimately does it affect? Uh, as like a... I don't even know how to word this properly. I wonder if th- like that search is pulling up results for people who have, like, congenital one kidney though some people are born with one kidney yeah right okay rather than having a kidney yeah so if you're born with one kidney you can you'll be born with like fully functional kidney mm-hmm. as well mm. so what are the other so if you've uh, had to get one surgically removed yep. what uh how does it does it negatively impact anything you do now it my life is normal yeah it, it really is yeah, yeah. I, it's just fucking mind-blowing to me yeah. that you almost died <laughs> yeah uh, and then you're fucking the best pal if the one of the best powerlifters in the world, three years later. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I just can't fucking... You watch later, James is going to make a post about the thing he had cut out of his leg, and he's like, yeah, I almost died too. <laughs> now I'm going to be the best jiu-jitsu practitioner. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Inspired. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. I just, I, I just, it just uh, blows my mind. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. Incredible journey, absolutely. All right, guys, well, do you have any more burning questions for Lily before we do a quiz? Nah. All right, Meg, hit us up. Ready for the quiz? <laughs> this is this is actually my first time meeting Lily. Really? So th- yeah, yeah. So this is I've never met Lily before. So this is uh, I feel like I have met you because of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so like everything I'm hearing right now is like all relatively new to me. So uh, that's why I got no more questions. Mm. There'll be more. I'm sure more will pop up. All um, right, we do a quiz. 
So the way that we've been doing the quiz, Lily, is you have to say your name as your beeper. Thomas. So when you hear the question, say your name, okay. then then the answer. Yeah. I've got qu- uh, prizes for everybody. Oh, wait, wait. Lily. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> that, that is your name. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Correct. One point. <laughs> so it's a kind of like a hybrid history and geography quiz, but a lot of them have multiple choice. So don't feel like you have to know everything. All right. So... This is a multiple choice, so let me list off each possible answer. Which of wait, the f- if we know the answer before you list them off, can I say my name? No, wait, Tom, bro, stop, stop doing the f- <laughs> Thomas, Thomas, uh, Thomas. <laughs> he no, gets it wrong. I think I think I need to set this set this rule in Fine. place and wait for the question to you know complete. Uh, to yeah, for me to deliver it completely. Okay. All right, and maybe a rule you can't answer twice in a row to prevent me from doing that. <laughs> yeah. Tombro was answering about seven. No, but you know what? The only thing I don't mind about Tombro winning is he might share his prizes again. Yeah, he might share his <laughs> prize. Which of the following countries is not a Baltic state? So there's four. Lithuania, Armenia, Armenia, Latvia, or Estonia? James. Yes, James. Armenia. Yeah. Good job. One point to you. Why'd you put geography in? You know he knows it. Wait, have I told you this? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you haven't I told love me. Geography. Oh, damn. I mm. did not know this. All right. Next question. Modern day Turkey, Istanbul used to be called what? Uh, Thomas. Yep. Constantinople. Yes. Damn. <laughs> Constantinople. <Good job. laughs> All right. Excuse me? <laughs> How did you know <laughs> This is a history qu- uh, question. Not so hot now, eh, James? <laughs> Number three. Geography boy. Name who quoted this iconic line, float like a butterfly. James. Thomas. Muhammad oh. Ali. Damn, James. Like a bee. That's like the easiest <laughs> quote in history. I didn't know. Okay, so 2-1. <laughs> I love that. Damn, James. <laughs> All right. Multiple choice. Which of these countries is the leading producer of silver? Country one, Mexico. Country two, Argentina. Country three, Bolivia. Someone guess. Lily. Yes. Bolivia. Incorrect. James. Yes. Argentina. Incorrect. Thomas. Mexico. Yes. That's <laughs> fucking <nuts. laughs> Two and two. Two and two. All right. So it might be like a bit of a tiebreaker. We have two questions left. I like how Lily didn't try to go again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I thought you, you can't go again. Two in a row. Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can go again. Yeah. All right. Next one. Name who quoted this iconic line. God does not play dice. So the people are either number one, Albert Einstein. Number two, Frank Sinatra. Number three, Pope John Paul. James. Lesser. Yep. Frank Sinatra. Incorrect. Thomas. Yep. Pope. Nope. Damn it. I can't remember who the James. first person was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, Lily, you can have it. You can have it. Okay, let's say A. Albert Einstein. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Two, one, two. Kind of sounds like a rap uh, verse. I don't think Albert was capable of that. Yeah. All right. This one one is deceptively hard. Equals MC squared. I think it was hard. Last question. Which country out of the next four has the largest Muslim population? Uh, Easy. One, Nigeria. Two, Indonesia. Three, Iraq. Four, Libya. James. Thomas. James first. Uh, Indonesia. Yes. Indonesia is so easy. James, you won. Let's go. All right. <laughs> you can choose two prizes and then divvy up the other ones. All right. What would you like? Um, so the right thing for me to do would be get a prize for Bridget. What do you reckon she'll like? Uh, 
I don't know. Maybe she'll like the coffee candy or yeah, the, coffee the candy. pocky. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll give her the coffee <laughs> candy. And then, uh, so that's for Bridget, and then you guys can uh, share them amongst yourselves. Nice. Do you want any or you're not allowed? Yeah, 200 calories. There you go. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's your nighttime snack, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> Does it say 200 calories? Let me read this one. What do you want, CJ? This one here. Hang on. This is 77 calories. You've never had Pocky? I've never had that. It's oh. really disappointing. <laughs> no, it's iconic. <laughs> oh wait, so that's only seventy-seven. Every time I've had them, it felt—it's always felt like I've eaten ear. Yeah, now I know why. Yeah, it's mm. iconic, but it's disappointing. <laughs> Let's be real. All right, before we wrap things up, Lily, tell the people where they can find you. Ugh. Socials, whatever um, you want to yeah. give them. My address is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Please do not do that. Uh, just on Instagram, Lily Riley Coach. Nice. Woo-hoo. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. All right, bye. Right, thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, Zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.